something has survived. Welcome to Rad Chat. This is part two of my interview with Fievel Fox, and we touch on our love of Sam Neill. Actually, a lot of love on Sam Neill. A lot on the sequels and maturity and characters. As always, thanks for listening. Feel free to share, subscribe, or rate whatever it is you like to do to podcasts you love. Enjoy part two of our Jurassic Park chat. I am not a fan of number two. I don't know why. It just Maybe it's because it we get so much of Malcolm, <laughs> and <laughs> he was just not a likable character to me. And I remember even being as a kid, and like she's doing gym flips up the trailer in the beginning. I was like, this is unreasonable. And this is a little kid who, you know, is accepting that dinosaurs are real, saying, <laughs> no, I don't like this gym flip thing up the trailer. <laughs> That's how much I'm disagreeable with that character, Malcolm. That Two, the only thing I liked about Two is the aerial scene with the raptors in the field and the people. And oh, I thought the, that the was terrible. Yeah. yeah, the tall grass. That was, that was true horror to me. That you, The tension of seeing these people and you knew what was coming for them. I love that. I loved how they took a lot of the elements the third from one, though, later books, oh, too. I loved the third one. And and a, a big part of that, I'm not going to lie, is the return of Dr. Grant. <laughs> and then, again, we have the, this kid who, you know, could survive being on the island alone. And I think we all dreamed we were that kid. I love that we got to see more of what they were working on, more of the behind the scenes in the universe. One thing I, I wish they would have done more of, and this is, I think, a, a kind of something that has bugged me a lot about films these days, is a lot of films focus on really a young cast. Like Chris Pratt and and uh, I liked having Alan, I liked having Sam Neill, who's a mature, educated individual that can get through this with his wits. And I would have liked more of that. I want more mature adults figuring out what to do to save the kids. Fine, that's great. You gotta get them in the theater too. But when you're fighting dinosaurs, you're not gonna outmuscle them. No, and I needed to believe. And I think I agree with you there on just the style of those new movies. Like it's because. In the first three Jurassic Parks, okay, these people are, are presented more casually, but we still have faith that they're like academic scientists, that they know they know what they know. And then I watch Chris Pratt, and I watch Bryce Dallas Howard, and I look at them, I, I don't, I mean, that's poor, it's mean to say, but I don't look at them and feel like they're written in a way that's, oh, they know what they're talking about. I just don't believe it. I can definitely see that. That's they're great at what they do, and honestly, I love the films. I think they're a lot of fun. But they went from films I would get lost in in the first couple of them because I was still young enough, and I, I still was absolutely enamored with the universe. To hey, that was a fun movie. I was entertained for an hour. Now I'm gonna go do something else. Yeah, the probably my favorite part of that entire the new generation of Jurassic Park movies is in Fallen Kingdom where what they call the brontosaurus or brachiosaurus, whatever they call it in that movie, has the E.T. heart light because they've all rushed to yes. the docks because the island is dying. I remember, I cried my eyes out. But otherwise, those movies are super forgettable. And I remember that being the only time I felt emotional about any of those movies was that one moment. Yeah, I'm going to agree there. Is I did not, I was not emotionally invested at all. I, I still had a good time, but they weren't, there was nothing that grabbed on. Jimmy Buffett was great as at Margaritaville, but that doesn't really count as a plot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, again, so we're seeing, like, because they had better effects and so much more money and all these guest cameos, and we could see the park in action with all the people, and I think that was supposed to add to the drama that all these tourists were there, 
that didn't actually do much for me because I wanted to folk. I like that the other, the original movie is before the park opens. Sure. So again, we're focusing more on the dinosaurs and just this core group of people. Feels like a survival film. Like if you're playing Left for Dead but Jurassic Park. That makes a lot of sense actually because you don't you're not as connected when you watch random bystander number sixteen get devoured by, you know, a pack of pteranodons. Right. It's as hard. fun as that is, it's not you know, emotionally drawing. The only scene that really got me emotional in, in the first Jurassic World film is the scene with the babysitter where she got killed. That bothered me. I was unsettled. And this is coming from someone who loves horror. Oh, I can see that. It felt I mean, really we, gratuitous. She can... gets thrown in the air and everything. Yes. I mean, we, we can see that from both views. As a child, what that would feel like <laughs> to see your babysitter yeah. do that. And then as a parent, and then just as a human being, like, yeah. I don't. I kind of feel sad for characters, and this is just a weird little tick, and it's in every movie, the ancillary characters who are used to move a plot. But then, yes. like, I have this idea that in another universe, okay, I remember that that was a real person with real feelings, and let's hear their side of the story. And I know you can't do that in movies, but, like, that's where I am as a person. Like, I'm always thinking beyond, like, I guess I'm. I get too emotionally invested in movies because those—that's where my head is at. No, you're right. Because the the beginning of Jurassic Park, the original film, the the death of the worker is what spurs everything to happen, and you feel you you actually yes. care about that. It's devastating, and what a really way to is. open a movie. It was horrific and emotional, but also it made you want to watch more to see like, okay, we we've messed up by bringing these dinosaurs to life. <laughs> The fact that they actually, that his death, this one worker's death, and I think they said there were some others injured as well, that it's it's why Gennaro goes to the island. It's why they have to stop everything they're doing. And right. it's unusual to have a, a character that doesn't mean anything in the plot overall that you don't even really get to know has such a devastating effect and it actually puts value on life right at the start of the film. I'm even thinking about it now, watching those fingers slip away and then the fading echo of Muldoon's. Yeah. Shooter! Shooter. <laughs> yes. Which, I gotta say, like, for as... You know, I love, of course, Sam Neill is my number one, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Sattler and everyone. I never would have thought that here, like, what, 25 years later, I have a tattoo of something that Muldoon would say on my arm. <laughs> oh, really? I do. I have, because I love this movie so much. It's a part of me. And just not, I think it, it's also like the first film that made me like recognize film as an experience because before I was just a kid who would like watch TV or watch a movie on TV. It didn't seem like film, but then I watched Jurassic Park and it felt like, okay, this is what a movie experience is supposed to be a ride and it's emotional and it's just this escape. It's very magical. I, I guess before that, films weren't magical to me. So in that way, it was formative. And then as I get older, it feels like every part of my life, I can attribute a Jurassic Park quote. It's like, you know how they have those books, like the Tao of Piglet or oh, like yeah. the Zen of Pooh or things like that? I feel like there could be one for Jurassic Park. And I was thinking about how I want to incorporate Jurassic Park as a tattoo because I, I only put tattoo things that are su- I'm super passionate about. And I, and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do here? And I ended up getting Clever Girl 
and the Jurassic Park <laughs> font on my left arm, forearm, for a couple reasons, not just because I love the movie, but because now, anytime I'm depressed or I'm feeling insecure, I can look at my arm and I just see it right here that I'm a clever girl. <laughs> it's, it's I like that. That's a good memo. And then another way I didn't even realize that Jurassic Park was like tied to my life, like I say, not even three years ago, I couldn't have imagined ET Club is what it is. And here I'm looking at the dates. So Jurassic Park was released on June 11th, 1993. And then ET was released on June 11th, 1982. Really? And I feel like I did not both of these movies that are a big part of what my life has become, not just for the movies themselves, but the social and familial bonds they've created around them were released on the same day. And I just get a little kick out of that. That is, it's, it, obviously we were too young to go see that movie when it came out that day. So we don't have that connection, but I know a lot of people had right. the same reaction to ET that they did Jurassic park, where it was this adventure that they, they uh, identified with. Yes. And again, we can probably relate that same emotional experience. Like as a kid, okay, this is the first movie you saw that felt like a movie. It was super emotional. There's not a huge cast. It really depends on being able to be empathetic. I mean, who didn't identify with, with Gertie and everybody and Elliot because they were losing someone they fell in love with, you know, as someone they could care about. I remember I saw the film that, in the theater when I was about, I'd say, I don't know, I must have been four, maybe it was re-released or something. And I, the scene where the, the ship comes back down to take E.T., Yes. It terrified me to the point where I was, they had to take me out of the theater because I was screaming so much as a small child. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> it was so loud and so, so uh, the, the lights were so confusing. I didn't get to see E.T. until my late 20s. And it wasn't like I didn't, like I, I couldn't have the chance. I just, even though I knew who E.T. was because there's this culture around it and I grew up in it, it never really hit me because I was so obsessed with things like Jurassic Park. And other super nerdy things. And I had that, uh, you know, uh, how do I want to say it? I was very multicultural with my Japanese mom. So I felt always felt out of the loop anyway with what was going on pop culture wise. The straggling two lines. I guess while I was obsessed with Jurassic Park, I didn't really notice that other movies existed for like 10 years. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't alone. That was the biggest thing everywhere. I mean, there were everything of every type. There were cereal, you know, toys, everything. So you couldn't avoid it, even if you wanted to. It's definitely one of those movies where if it's on TV, you sit and watch it. You know, even if you have the DVD. Or, yeah, you know, or, I, I've done that a few times. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, I'll clear everything I'm doing and just sit and watch it, even though I, I own it. But I, I can't not take that opportunity it feels and because of that's how i watched it the first time too is on tv it just feels like okay this was meant to be in my life like <laughs> like it's a sign and i guess i i use that moment to reset like almost like a jiminy cricket like here comes jurassic park again to make you feel better and feel good about life <laughs> hey dinosaurs terrorizing people i feel better <laughs> But they were only protecting themselves. And then you got these people rallying together. Yeah, that, that's what they even mentioned. They're, they're scared. They're terrified monsters out or not monsters, creatures in their out of their environment. They're 
just dropped into the modern world. I do want to ask you an important question, though, about Jurassic Park. Yes. Did Muldoon survive? Oh, absolutely not. Really? What are your thoughts on that? I would love to hear your opinion. I see. I don't know how that's. I mean, of course, everyone has their own opinions, but to me, like that's very clearly not an argument. Because, all right, he's got at least there's at least two dinosaurs that you know are tracking him, and there, I think there's from if you count the movie, I think there's then you know that there's a third as well. So there's one watching him, and then one jumps on him, and it looks like it's just eating his stomach out. It's eating his face and clawing up his stomach. And I just, yeah, you don't really see anything, which is is even more impressive. But for some reason, I remember it as like, okay, it jumped on him and it's eating his face and stomach. Because that's what you see, the angle that you see it at. I just can't imagine right. how you could possibly survive it. Plus, in my head, too, and I don't know why, I'd have to rewatch it. But I swear, I think my brain tells me that there would have been a third. Even if they don't show it, there would have been a third, the way those dinosaurs were traveling. You know, and you're, you're most likely right, because that's exactly what Samuel says in the beginning of the film. He says, from the other two raptors, you didn't even know we're there. And then I think, again, at the end, we see three, right? When they attack the T-Rex. I believe so, yes. Uh, so it's implied it's the same three that have been tracking them to the visitor center. Right. I think there were four, and then one got one was still in the freezer, and then the rest were the ones that attacked, if I remember yes. correctly. Right. I always insisted, because in my head canon, I would not let Muldoon die. And I would... I loved to write when I was little, and I would write these stories of how he survived and, like, how he managed to crawl back and, like, get his entrails back in or whatever. And, you know, survived on the island. They go back for him and things like that. And in the comic books, they actually address this. They bring him back. And they said that the only way that he could have survived is because he's the only person that knows the raptors. He's scarred up and stuff, but they were just playing with him. Oh, like a threat. Yeah, I guess. A manipulation. Like he's, yeah, he's the only person that uh, that bonded with the raptors at all. Of course, that was a point That's the comics true. went completely off the rails, but... Right. <laughs> And then uh, clearly they decided that they were going to use that in Jurassic World and create a pack and a team. <laughs> See, I like that. And if I was a kid, if I if I was like my son's age watching Jurassic World, that would have been me just absolutely marking out about having my own dinosaur and then riding motorcycles with a dinosaur. <laughs> There's nothing cooler than that in the world. Oh, I 100% agree. And I'm not going to say it's not fun and wonderful, but it's all I mean, so it's it's that balance of being like that childhood fun versus as an adult, like, all right, this is getting stupid. <laughs> and I don't know. I think if that had been Muldoon on the bike with the rafters, I would have no problem with it. I think it's just my it's because it's Chris Pratt to me. And that's just a personal preference. I, know, I, can, I can see that it doesn't feel like he earned it, really. Exactly. And again, I think that, again, comes on how they present these characters as being a, a professional. Right. They've had like, a life already I see Muldoon, before this. Right. I see Muldoon, and I believe that he could train those raptors, and that they would follow him on that motorbike, and that they're going to create a super team and solve mysteries and be your superheroes somehow. Well, I've got a new fanfic to write, I think. That could, sounds pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> They stop terrorism. I love it. 
But the, to me, Chris Pratt on that bike with those dinosaurs feels like like bro dinosaurs, right? Yeah, <laughs> dino bros. <laughs> Don't worry, they're gonna fist bump and crack and crack a kegger later. Right. And then the sequel is like the party ends here. I like it. Well, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Because I this has been awesome. I've it's been a lot of fun talking about just one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, I've had a lot of fun too. Um Oh, another fun little fact that I feel like ties me to this movie is the fact that, and I put this on a list recently of things that make you happy, and still to this day, when they say, the voice you're hearing is Richard Kiley, and it, it truly is Richard Kiley. Yep. And not only is his last name spelled the way my name is, that character was one of my favorite, Richard Kiley portrayed one of my favorite characters on the series Gunsmoke. Okay. Which most people my age didn't watch, but as a kid and even now, like I saw, I didn't connect that he was all Richard Kylie was that boy, that guy in Gunsmoke. Like that and Richard also, Kiley? Yeah, I didn't get that because as a kid I was watching, I didn't care like make a point to notice that my favorite actor's name beside Matt Dillon was Richard Kylie. I think I knew him from the Man of La Mancha, the uh, yeah. musical. I can see that. That was the only time I'd heard of him, but again, I didn't make the connection that that was that Richard Kylie. So I guess it was right? kind yeah, of a joke that a was pro- lost. <laughs> yeah, but I guess to older people, like because he had such a prolific career, that I like that they put that little thing in again to show John Hammond, like, hey, I brought all the celebrities in. I love no, the idea that Richard Kylie. Yeah, <laughs> that Richard Kylie was the go-to celebrity to get. Can you? <laughs> for the narration that's interesting to me but then when i made that connection as an adult that my favorite supporting character on gunsmoke which is my favorite tv show of all time was also that scene and the voice of the tour in jurassic park i was like okay this movie was meant for me and i still feel that way like i'm very protective of jurassic park as a movie and it's that nerd fan thing where you're like okay I understand everyone has their own opinion and I'm not going to trash anyone else's, but I also, right. I'm not even going to listen to anyone who tells me that there's any movie better than Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's awesome. But that that's because it finds a very special place in your heart. Just it caught you at the right time at your right development and was an adventure that you got to join them on. And I think that was, that's a testament to the movie. The movie was filmed. Yes. I didn't think of that. So there's, you know, everybody, I think every generation has that for the most part. I think, you know, people had Star Wars. I'm, I enjoy the films, but I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I think I missed that. I was born after, I was born after Star Wars uh, A New Hope came out, and I was too young for Return of the Jedi, so there was nothing for me for a long time. But Jurassic Park was that movie for me. And then especially if you watch it as a kid, like, you know, okay, so it, like it connects those two worlds. Like we were talking about, uh, that's separate. How we were connected, talking about how like movies for adults and kids that reach both and then Jurassic Park does that because it's not necessarily well I mean it's gory considering you know it's a monster movie but it's not overtly gory it's not to the point where I would not want to show it to my son I showed it to him a couple years ago I think he was about eight or nine and he loved it he he, I think he got bored halfway through it but he liked it yeah it's just enough that just graphic enough that you understand the extreme level of what's going on like how serious this really is yeah and then, just 
without being just gory for gore's sake. That's what we have Jason yes. for. <laughs> exactly. Like I was ta- reading about a behind the scenes with that car scene, that iconic car scene, and I think they mentioned that the kids didn't know that it was going to come down that far. It wasn't supposed to break the glass. Those those screams were legit. I believe them 100%. And that's because I guess originally I don't know how they were going to work it, but he 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 attacks the car and maybe he doesn't trash the car. He was not supposed to come through the top. Oh wow. And then he came, he came through the top. And that's why those screams are legitimate because those kids <laughs> that was not planned. A and giant guess, animatronic and dinosaur coming through. Like, yeah. This is amazing. Keep that. <laughs> that's some awesome. All right, one last question for you. Hit me. What one quote do you use from Jurassic Park way too often? Gosh, you have to give me a minute on this. Or a couple of them. Oh uh, yeah, like you, like I said, like at every point, like I, I'll, I'll say something Jurassic Park in my head that relates to whatever I'm doing. I'm obviously the clever girl that has become my mantra so much so that it's on my arm. It's not okay. this spiritual connection to Jurassic Park now. Oh, what else? For me, oh. I tend to use with, especially with my son, uh, when he asks something it, what it is, I'll often tell him, "Is it heavy? Yes. Then it's expensive. Put it back." <laughs> I am surprised I don't use that more often with my kids. Otherwise, it's an interactive CD-ROM is a favorite of mine. Oh, that's fantastic! I, I love Lex. She's, and I love that. That's a girl. Yes, it was so early for that, too. Yes. That is a girl who knows her STEM skills. I love it. And she's right at that awkward age where she's got this crush on Dr. Grant. And I was (laughs) at that awkward age. So, and it's weird because you have the crush because he's kind of this fatherly symbol, but you're also like hitting that whole puberty thing. And it it makes everything awkward and embarrassing. And she just portrays that really well. I never got out of that crush phase with with Sam Neill ever. I never will. Oh. And now with him on Twitter, with all the stuff he's been doing on his own, it's just happy watching all along. Full on love affair. A, a very pure, innocent one. But yes, I once on Twitter was listing off my favorite crushes of all time. And I said that he was my number three since since I was 11 years old. And he jumped in. And what he said really? was... He did. I have a picture of it on my phone. And the tweet he replied with was, I'm still trying to make it to number one. Oh, it's so sweet. And then when I saw that, I dropped my phone because I was screaming and crying. And there's this <laughs> big crack. And for the longest time, I didn't want to get rid of the phone because every time I saw that crack, it reminded me of Sam Neill telling me he wanted to be my number one crush. Isn't it amazing how they can make that connection, especially someone as tenured as Sam Neill? I'm really looking forward to the new sequel because of him. Same here. Like otherwise, I I could care less. I yeah, I wouldn't care. But because he's coming back, I was like, okay, that will draw me to the theater, and they can just take all my money because I'll watch anything with him. What he's only in it for five minutes? Fine, take all my money. We'll keep going. Exactly. But I hope it's not like that thing in Godzilla. And I don't know. I should probably say spoiler here if you haven't seen that old Godzilla. Not old. The one with Brian Cranston. Yes. Remember? And then yeah. they were like, oh, he's doing all these interviews. Like, I'm in Godzilla. I'm in Godzilla. And then he dies in the first five minutes. And then it's no one you care about for the rest of the two hours. Yeah. They, these kids that it's like, I, I just don't care. <laughs> I know. 
I don't want it to be that scenario where we're going to see Samuel die. Because if Dr. Grant dies, I'll be devastated. I need him to live forever in my mind to function. But <laughs> So I might have to like send you to the movie first. And just, if he's going to die in it, you just tell me don't go. Never watch it. And I won't. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. No kidding. And Dr. S- the relationship that they developed with him and Dr. Sattler over time to show that like it wasn't this super happy ending where they got married and had kids. But they showed in three that they still love each other dearly, that they're best friends. And that the idea that he had one phone call and he calls her because he knows that whatever it is, she'll take care of it for him. I always liked the relationship because it felt mature. It felt realistic. And they were able to not, they weren't together and they were still able to care. And there's too often we see, you know, it's like you saw, again, Jurassic World, the bickering couple, the the constant fighting. They had a healthy relationship, and they weren't married. Ellie Sattler and uh, and uh, Alan Grant. I love, yeah, and that bickering couple is still glamorized, and I don't like that. I've never liked that in sitcoms. I don't like it in movies where this like, okay, we're all supposed to love this tension, love hate relationship. I don't like healthy relationships aren't really like that. Healthy relationships are going to be boring. I think that's like that's actually a pretty good point to call it for now. We can definitely revisit this in the future because I, I this has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, thanks for being with me, and thanks to everybody for listening. Jurassic Park, I mean, I don't really have to give it much of a, a promotion. It's one of the you know epitomes of 90s films. It doesn't even feel like a 90s film. <laughs> Not uh, at all. It's very timeless. Thank you for inviting me to talk about it. Absolutely. We'll hopefully do it again soon. Sounds great. Thank Hi. you. And I want to thank Kylie again for joining me on this awesome rad chat. I hope to do more of these in the near future with more people about things they love. Thank you for listening, and remember, don't ever be ashamed of the things you love. Remember to nerd out once in a while. Thanks a lot.